Thank you for the privilege of being with you today in worship. And I want to thank your worship leaders for leading us together in a very inspired fashion uh, today. Let's give them a hand because they've led us truly into the presence of the Lord. And I, I appreciate it. Worship is a universal language. It's a universal language. You can pull in people from all stripes and sizes and shapes and forms through worship. And I just want to thank you for leading us together today into the presence of the Lord. <clears throat> I want to acknowledge your interim pastor and his wife and the other assigned, appointed pastors. And yeah, y'all do things a little differently. <laughs> so I want to cover everybody, okay? I was looking at the sheet there and I saw appointed pastors and then uh, staff. So to the appointed pastors, the staff, and everybody, amen. We're just glad to, to be here. I am so thankful. I was while teaching a perspectives class here. When was that, Lindy? She's gone. It was yeah, last fall. Last fall, yes. That um, A couple of them asked if I'd be interested in coming to speak at First United Methodist Church, and I said, if you'll have me, I'll come, and I'm delighted to be here to help kick off your Mission Emphasis Week. As Lindy said, my wife and our youngest of three kids, we have three kids, the youngest one uh, is with us today, the other two are already gone, grown, and on their own, so we're grateful uh, for that. Listen, I, I know that uh, they said I have about 30 minutes to preach. I do come from a Baptist tradition, and so I'm going to hurry up and get started because i got a long way to go, <laughs> and I want to be respectful of your time. So your emphasis, pray for missionaries, praying for your missionaries, that, that is perhaps one of the best things we could do. Uh, is to pray for those who are serving as missionaries. And in case you didn't know, uh, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, let me see your hand. If you know Jesus for sure, then listen, you are a missionary. And so our prayers are not just for those wonderful women and men that we saw on the screens, but our prayers are for us as well. And so today, I want to talk to you from this subject, uh, if you want to wrap your mind around this, fueling your prayers with faith, fueling your prayers with faith. And so if you don't mind, I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 8, there's this incredible passage where Jesus literally commends a person for their faith. Whenever Jesus commends somebody for doing something, we do well to pay attention to that person and what Jesus commends him or her for. And so in Matthew chapter 8, I'm going to begin reading with verse number 5. And if you have a Bible, grab it. You can punch some buttons and go there if you wish and read along silently with me. We're in a digital age. I want to begin reading from Matthew chapter 8 with verse number 5. From the New Living Translation, hear these words. 
When Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him, Lord, my young servant lies in bed, paralyzed and in terrible pain. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. But the officer said, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come into my home. Just say the word from where you are, and my servant will be healed. I know this because I am under the authority of my superior officers, and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say, go and they go, or come and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to those who were following him, he said, I tell you the truth, I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. And I tell you this, that many Gentiles will come from all over the world, from east and west, and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the feast in the kingdom of heaven. But many Israelites, those for whom the kingdom was prepared, will be thrown into outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the Roman officer, Go back home, because you believed, it has happened. And the young servant was healed that same hour. Would you pray with me? We thank you, dear Jesus, for the privilege of worship, full and free, and we have attempted to do that in the power of Holy Spirit. We pray that you are pleased with our offering of worship. We ask now that as we turn our attention to your word, that you would give us a spirit of attention to your word, that you would awaken us and cause us to be alert and have ears to hear what you want to say to us. May our hearts be prepared like ground that is ready for the seed to be planted. We pray that there will be increase today in our lives for your glory, and we thank you for it. Give preaching power now. Holy Spirit, we pray in the name of Jesus, and all who agreed said, amen. Amen. Think with me now. Think with me. Prayers are answered because we ask. You're going to be spending a whole week emphasizing prayer. I commend you I commend you for for highlighting prayer during this Missions Emphasis Week. Prayers are answered because we ask. Matthew 7, 7, Jesus said, Ask and you shall receive. James chapter 4 and verse number 2, he said, you don't have because you don't. So prayers are answered because we ask. Watch this. Prayers are answered because we ask in faith. 
Mm -hmm. Because we ask in faith. You see, in, in Matthew chapter 21 and verse number 22, Jesus put it like this. He said, you can ask for anything if you believe and you will receive what you ask for. See, prayers are answered because we ask. They are answered because we ask in faith. Get this. Prayers are answered because we ask with our faith in God. Yeah, yeah. You see, with our faith in God. Jesus doesn't want us to have just faith in faith, or he surely doesn't want us to have faith in ourselves. In, in Mark chapter 11, verse number 22, Jesus put it very plainly. We'll come back to it later. He said, have faith in God. You see, you see, prayers are answered. Prayers are answered because we ask with faith, and we ask with faith in God. So I hear you. I hear you. Somebody ought to be asking then, well, what about this faith? Because if, if faith is the key to answering, to getting answers in our prayer, and if it's faith in God, then maybe we should explore this matter of faith a little bit further. Is that okay? So I simply ask you the question, what is faith? If you had to answer it to a novice and put it in layman's terms so that any and everyone could get it, how would you answer the question, what is faith? Late Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. put it this way. He said, faith is taking the first step, even when you don't see the whole staircase. So that there is this active component to faith. Faith is not always passive. There are times when faith is, act, is passive. But in the main, faith is always associated with some action. We'll see it in our text today. And many of you, I'm sure, I'm sure a church like this, you are familiar with Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 1 where the Bible gives us a definition of faith. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. How many are familiar with that verse? Faith is the conviction of things not yet seen. But what does that mean? For years, I, I quoted the verse, but if you had asked me to explain what does it mean, I struggled. To fully explain what does Hebrews 11.1 1 mean when it comes to the matter of faith. Get it? Faith is the assurance. Take that word assurance and break it down. The transliteration from the original Greek language gives us a compound word, hypostasis. You say, that still doesn't help me, preacher. Well, stay with me. Let's break it down a little bit further. The two compound words are hippo, which simply means under, and stasis, which means to stand. So when you put them together, the writer of the Hebrews is teaching us that faith is the basis. 
Faith is the foundation upon which we stand. So that, so that we literally can say that faith is reliance in, reliance upon or trust in. And faith always has to have an object. Let me see if I can illustrate it for you. Every one of us in here right now have exercised faith at least one time today. You know how I know? Because you are right now seated on a chair, on a stool, or whatever you are sitting on. You exercise faith. Watch this. You put your reliance upon the chair. Yes or yes. You see, faith always has an object. And you came in these doors and you exercise faith in the chair to hold you. Or maybe you came in and you kicked the chair and turned it upside down and checked to make sure all the screws was in it and the seat wasn't loose. Did any of you do that? Probably not. Because you came in and you put your full trust in a chair. To hold you. We exercise faith all the time in objects. You exercise faith to get here because you drove a car. You exercise faith that when you would step on the gas, it would go, and especially exercise faith that when you stepped on the brake, it would stop. You probably didn't get underneath the hood and check the engine or get behind the wheel and check the brakes because you simply exercise faith. And if you rode with somebody here today, you really exercise faith. Because you were not only trusting the car, you were trusting the person driving the car. We exercise faith all the times, my friend. Get on an airplane and tell me whether or not you're exercising faith. Go to a restaurant. My wife and I went to a restaurant last night, sat down, enjoyed the ambiance of the restaurant, looked at the menu, placed our order. They brought us food out. We prayed over it, but we didn't go back into the kitchen to check. What are they doing to my food that I'm about to eat? Because, and we're laughing because we understand this. We exercise faith all the time. It's just that when it comes to our faith being in the object of God, we struggle. Because we see chairs, we see a car, we see an airplane, but it's hard because we don't see God. How do I trust in a God that I cannot see with my natural eye? This is an important matter because if you're going to get any prayers answered this week, it's going to be only because you pray with faith in God. It's an important matter. That's why Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 6 puts it like this, that it is impossible to please God without faith. You know what? I looked up the word in the Greek. You know what it means? Impossible. It is impossible. To please God. Not that it's highly unlikely, not that it's probable that you won't, but that it is absolutely impossible to please God apart from faith. 
So that puts you and me in the same situation, the same predicament, that we need to figure this out so that our lives are lives of faith rather than being, I'm from Missouri, I'm from Missouri. The motto of my state is the show me state. And while that works for Missouri, it's not good for a child of God who seeks to live a life that pleases God. Show me first, God, and then I'll believe. No, no, no. In the kingdom economy, believing leads to seeing. So I think it's helpful for you and for me if we just kind of hang around Matthew chapter 8 because here's a passage where Jesus commends a man for his faith. And let's ask the question, what can we learn from this man about faith that fuels our prayers? Are you with me? Are you with me? Okay, don't miss this now. Here you go. Faith that fuels our prayers, first of all, is faith that ushers you into God's multi-ethnic kingdom family. It's right there in the verse. I don't have to make it up. In Matthew chapter 8 and verse number 10, after Jesus encountered this man and he heard this man make this declaration of faith, Watch what Jesus says in response, verse number 10. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. And then it seems like he jumps off topic, but he doesn't. He takes a Gentile. This Roman officer was a Gentile. He was not a Jew. He takes a Gentile and sets him up as an example. And here's what he says. He says, turning to those who are following him, most of them Jews who are following him. He says, I tell you the truth. I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. And it's from a Gentile, not from a Jew. And I tell you this, he says, that many Gentiles, many Gentiles who exercise faith like this man will come from all over the world, east and west, sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the feast in the kingdom of heaven. Then he flips it. He says, but many, many, not all, but many Israelites for whom the kingdom has been prepared will miss it because they do not exercise faith. Those for whom the kingdom prepared, many Israelites will be thrown into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What's Jesus saying? He's saying that the way you enter his multi-ethnic kingdom family is by faith, period. And it doesn't matter whether you are Jew or Gentile, if you exercise saving faith in Jesus Christ, trust him, put your whole reliance upon him to save you, which you can't do for yourself, He says, you'll be in the kingdom family. Paul put it this way in Romans chapter 1, beginning with verse number 16. He says, for I'm not ashamed of this good news. My wife and I have some Jewish friends that we've just recently met. and We are seeking to build relationship with them and understand of them and their culture and learn from them. And at the same time, share with them this glorious message. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the good news about Christ. Why? Because it is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes. How many who believe? Everyone Everyone who believes. 
to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. He says, this good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. How does God make us right? This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. You see, my friends, it's not about what you can do to work your way into a posture of gaining God's pleasure and favor. That will never happen. It's not about how many sacrifices you can make so that God will be pleased with the quantity, with the degree of your sacrifices. Never will happen. God is only pleased with the only perfect one who lived a sinless life and then died in our place. And he simply says, I've done the work for you that you can't do for yourself. And if you want to experience the benefit, you must simply believe. Romans chapter 3 goes on, he puts it like this, for God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. Not a sacrifice, but the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. You can bleed all day long till you have no blood left in your body. It won't do you any good when it comes to salvation. There's only one person's blood that was sinless, that qualifies, and it is the blood of Jesus. In verse 26, he goes on to say, God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is just and fair. If you think God is unjust, you need to think again. God is just and fair, meaning that he offers mercy and he is also a God who has to judge. And because he doesn't want to judge you, he wants to offer you his mercy. He did for us what we could not do for ourselves. He makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. What are all of our missionaries ultimately seeking to do? To help men and women, boys and girls, come to that place of understanding who Jesus is and placing saving faith in his finished work that they might enter God's multi-ethnic kingdom family. Romans chapter 3 and verse number 30 says, in case you're wondering, there is only one God. Say it with me. Only one God. He says, and he makes people right with himself. Watch this. Only by faith. Say it with me. Only by faith. Only one God and only by faith. So that where you are, my friend, if you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ, never believed on him for salvation, here's where you are. You either choose to believe what God has said, the one who created the heavens and the earth, the one who sustains this world, this earth by the word of his power. You either choose to believe what he said or choose not to and rely on your own efforts. I've simply come to remind you, God says there's only one God. There's no other way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody gets to the Father unless he comes through me. 
There is only one God, and it is only by faith, not by works, that we are saved, whether Jews or Gentiles. See, God's got this multi-ethnic kingdom family. So grateful that you guys sang that Revelation song that comes right out of the words of Revelation chapter 4 and 5, where the Bible says that God, we get a glimpse of the future, what will be, where God says he's going to gather in the end, he's going to gather his multi-ethnic kingdom family from every tribe and every tongue and every language, every ethnicity, we'll all be together in his presence singing his praises. That's why I love so much that you sang in multiple languages. It touched my heart. And I said, Lord, thank you for just giving me a small glimpse because my brother sitting next to me was singing in his mother tongue while I was singing in English. A small glimpse of what it'll be like when this multi-ethnic kingdom family comes together in the presence of the one and only Savior. So you see, my friends... From this man that Jesus commended, what do we learn? We learn that faith ushers us into God's multi-ethnic kingdom family. But let's keep reading. There's something else in here in Matthew chapter number 8. Faith ushers us into God's multi-ethnic kingdom family. Yes, faith also, watch this, unleashes God's supernatural power. It unleashes his supernatural power. (laughs) Look at it now, back in Matthew chapter number 8. In Matthew chapter 8, in verse number 13, you know the story by now. Here's this man, this Roman, this Gentile. He wants his servant to be healed. He says to Jesus, you don't even have to come to my house. Just say the word from where you are because I know you have authority over distance. So just say the word and my servant will be healed. Jesus, after commending him, teaching those who were around about this lesson that the multi-ethnic kingdom family is entered by faith, he then turns back to the man, this Gentile, and he says, sir, go on back home. (laughs) Go on back home because you believed it has happened. And I love it. I love it. I love it. Matthew Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, just in case you were wondering, Matthew adds the definitive, and the young servant was healed at that very same hour. You ought to go over to Luke chapter number 7. You see a parallel account here. And there are a few more details that Luke the physician adds that there was some, there was some of these servants who were sent ahead back home to check on this, this Roman officer's servant. And when they got there, they found him well. And they came back to this Roman officer and they ascertained the time at which he got well. And it was at the very same time that Jesus said, go on home, it's done. Because, you see, faith unleashes God's supernatural power. Those who are missionaries on the mission field, who have gone to the front lines and foreign lands, they are much more acquainted with God's supernatural power than most of us who are here. Because, unfortunately, many of us live by sight rather than by faith. Many of us do not walk by faith. We walk by sight. So we miss out on God's supernatural power. We read our Bible. We read Acts. We read those early apostles. And we go, if we don't say it out loud, we ask it to ourselves. I wonder why I don't see that now. And I've got a question for you. Has God changed? (laughs) 
writer of Hebrews said he's the same yesterday, today, and? So if God hasn't changed, and watch this, if Jesus displayed this power and his early disciples displayed that same kind of faith that unleashes God's supernatural power, then where is the disconnect? Let's find out. Mark chapter number 11 and verse number 22, Jesus put it like this. Have faith in God. I tell you the truth, you can say to this, he's referring to a specific mountain, to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen, but you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I wonder if there's an honest man or woman beside me who would be willing to admit today that now you are understanding where the rub is. Because, because there's somewhere around this not fully believing, somewhere around having this doubt in your heart that results in us not seeing as much of God's supernatural power on display in 2019 as we read about in the first century. He says, you must really believe, have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. He said, this mountain. This mountain, I want you to see a picture. In the land of Israel, if you've been there, in the land of Israel, there there is for our eyes to view a, watch this, a demonstration of the might of one human being. You're looking at on the screen, you see that dotted line there? That dotted line represents the top of a mountain that used to be there. Herod the Great, the great builder who built so many things, he was a madman, an incredible builder decided, watch this, that he wanted to move the top of a mountain. And he literally had enough men get together and with enough tools of the first century and had those men literally move the top of a mountain from one hill to another and then build a fortress on top of it. You see, Jesus said, this mountain. From wherever he was, he could have been in Jerusalem when he was saying these words. He could have been at the Mount of Olives. He could have been in Bethlehem. Wherever you were and wherever you are in the land, that hill is visible. In November of this year, my wife and I were there with a group of of believers, and and that hill is still present. The next picture is still there. That hill that Herod literally moved a physical mountain, the top of it, from one to another. Jesus is saying, if you have faith in me, I know you guys are impressed with what Herod did. You see that mountain? It's impressive. But if you have faith in me, I'm telling you that you could say to that same mountain, move into the sea and it would obey you. But you've got to have faith. So what he's trying to say to us men and women is that if we would simply trust him, eyes have not seen and ears have not heard what is possible. The first century disciples got it. Peter, James, and John on their way up to the temple. Acts chapter 3 and verse number 1 says at the hour designated for prayer, they're on their way up to the temple. When they get there at the gate called Beautiful, here is a man who was lame who had been laying there. And his usual custom is that people would carry him to the gate Beautiful, sit him down, and he would beg for alms from those who were entering into the temple area through the Beautiful Gate. And here come Peter and John at the hour designated for prayer. They're on their way up to the temple at this hour designated for prayer. And they look at him and he's figuring, I'm getting ready to get some alms. 
Peter looks at him and he says, I don't have any arms for you today, but I do have something for you. And Acts chapter 3 records that Peter reached down, grabbed him by the hand, and pulled him up. He said, in the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. And a man who had been lame, who had never walked, was standing on his feet. And the Bible says that when he realized that he was standing on his feet, that he began to walk. (laughs) And he had never walked before. The Bible says, realizing that he was able to walk, he started leaping. What would you do if you never walked before? You'd probably leap too. And he began praising God and entered the temple with Peter, James, and John. A little bit later, people are questioning him. How did y'all do this? Acts chapter 3, verse number 16. How did y'all do this? How did this happen? How did you hear this man? Watch what Peter says. Acts chapter 3 and verse number 16. He says, through faith in the name of Jesus. This man was healed. Peter's like, don't get it twisted. (laughs) He said, this is not about me, and it's sure not about James and John. He said, this is not about us. You're looking at a man who never walked, who's now walking, and, and it's not about him, and it's not about us, but it is about Jesus. He says it is through faith in the name of Jesus that this man was healed. It's like he's rubbing it in. He said, y'all know him? <laughs> y'all see him? Y'all know him. He comes here. He's been here regularly at the gate called Beautiful. You know him. So it had to be a power beyond us to raise this man and give him the ability to walk. He says, faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. I can feel the tension. I can feel it. Because you're in the same place that I am many times. See, faith unleashes God's supernatural power, and you're saying, but my goodness, how do I get there? I want that. How do I get there? I'm glad you're asking. Get this third idea, and we're just about third done for today. Faith, watch this. Faith ushers us into God's multi-ethnic kingdom family. Faith unleashes God's supernatural power. Don't miss this third one, or you won't be able to go out of here better than when you came in. Faith is undergirded by God's word. It's undergirded by his word. You said, well, I want great faith. Okay, good. (laughs) How are you going to get great faith? It's going to be because you get it from his word. So when we read our Bible, we read our Bible, our Bibles are to help us fall deeper in love with God, to grow in our intimacy with God. We love him more when we fall in love with his word. Reading the Bible is not a bore, it's not drudgery, it's a delight, it's a privilege because it increases your intimacy with the God who gave you his love letters. But it is also to increase our faith. Romans 10, 17, put it like this. Faith comes by and hearing by the word of God. So if I'm going to grow my faith, I've got to grow it through his word because the word of God undergirds our faith. Get this. You see, God's word, watch this, will facilitate the growth of your faith. I sure wish I had time. And if I were an African-American Baptist church, I'd start rearing back here a little bit and raising my voice, but, but <laughs> I don't want to scare anybody. <laughs> I 
but I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to read Matthew chapter 8, the whole chapter. Go back to verse number 1. We started with verse 5. Go back to verse 1 and you'll see Jesus' power on display as people approached him and asked him to do something about their situation and they believed that he could. Read after verse number 13 of Matthew chapter 8, and you'll see Jesus' power on display. I mean, he's casting out demons. He's handling all kind of stuff. He's stealing storms. He's just displaying his power. And then you get to Matthew chapter 9, and he begins to encounter some people who, because of their faith, experience God's power. So in Matthew 9, chapter 9, and verse number 2, here's a paralyzed man who couldn't walk. But he had some friends who loved him enough and cared enough about him to carry him to Jesus. And in Matthew chapter 9, and verse number 2, the Bible says that when Jesus saw these friends bringing their paralyzed friend to him, watch this, Jesus healed the paralytic because of the faith of his friends. Which says to you and to me, make sure you've got some friends around you who are men and women of faith. Because sometimes you're going to need them to believe for you when you are struggling. Because the paralytic had some friends who believed that Jesus could, he experienced healing. Keep reading in chapter 9, you get to verse number 22, and here's this woman who for 12 years had had a bleeding problem that wouldn't stop. And she had used all of her resources, going to the best physicians known, and none of them could do anything about it. She heard that Jesus was coming by her neighborhood, and she said, if I can just get close enough to touch the hem of his garment, I believe he can heal me. And the Bible says she pressed her way through the crowd, and she got up close enough just to touch the hem of his garment. And as soon as she touched the hem of his garment, Jesus felt power and virtue leaving him and flowing into her. And he said, who touched me? And his disciples, clueless, like most of us are, Lord, what you mean who touched you? Look at this crowd of people, all these people bumping up against you. What you mean who touched you? He said, no, 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 somebody touched me with faith. And he turns and sees the lady, and he sees that it was her, and he says, woman, your faith has made you whole because she believed. Keep reading. Matthew chapter 9, you get to verse number 29. Here are two blind men that could not see. They couldn't see, but they heard Jesus was coming by. And they just hollered when they heard that he was close enough. Jesus, have mercy on us. They couldn't see him, but they heard he was close enough. So they just started hollering, Jesus, have mercy on us. Because two blind men believed that Jesus could, Jesus healed trying to say to you, my friends, that perhaps the reason why you're not seeing God's supernatural power on display is because you're not fueling your prayers with faith and your faith is not being facilitated from you being in the word of God. It's still early enough in 2019 for you to make a decision that I'm going to get in God's word for myself because nobody can read the Bible for you. You got to do it for yourself. 
And when you get in there, you'll fall deeper in love with God, but will also increase your faith so that you are willing to step out. Matthew chapter number 15, the Bible says that here was a woman, a mother. (laughs) How many mothers in here, grandmothers in here? You know, there's nobody like a mother or a grandmother when it comes to a child or a grandchild. I'm sorry, brothers, I'm a father, I'm including myself. As fathers, sometimes we are just absent, okay, just, just not there. But mamas with their kids, if there's something wrong with that kid, that mama is not going to rest until her child is taken care of. And the Bible says that here was a mother who brought her daughter to Jesus. And when Jesus saw the faith of the mother, he said, I'm going to heal your daughter because of you and your faith. Sometimes, ladies, men too, we've got to believe God for our kids, for our grandkids, that they might see the supernatural power of God on display in their lives until they come to the place of believing for themselves. I don't have time. Read Hebrews 11. It's simply a summary of several Old Testament saints. There's Abel who offered by faith a better sacrifice than Cain. There's Enoch who had a walk of faith better than anybody else. That God said, I'm not even going to let you die. I'm just going to snatch you and bring you into my presence. There's Noah who by faith built a boat for a hundred years when it had never rained, but God told him it's going to rain. And because he believed God's word, he spent a hundred years, his best years, building an ark until finally it started dropping water from the sky. There's Abraham and Sarah who at 190 years of age respectively give birth to a child, no artificial insemination, no adoption. It was just God supernaturally coming upon them because they believed by faith. But I'm listening to a few of you. You're saying, you know, you can take that too far, preacher. And sometimes we do. So they watch this. The word of God will facilitate the growth of your faith so that you stretch out. And some of you need to be pushed and nudged out to exercise more faith. But as we move out, God's word will also ferret out foolishness and keep us from going too far to an excess and extreme that is not biblical. John chapter 14, Jesus said, when you ask in my name for the glory of the Father, then I'll do it. If you're asking for your name, forget it. Handle that yourself. But when you ask in my name, Jesus says, for the glory of the Father, then I'm ready to move now. Because it ain't about you, Mo. It's about him. Joyce Meyer, wonderful leader. How many of you know the name Joyce Meyer? Yeah, a few of you familiar, Joyce Meyer, I mean, powerful worldwide Bible teacher, great woman. She has this to say about faith. Faith is something God gives you that you need to use and release in your life. But Joyce Meyer, this, this wonderful Bible teacher, exercises a whole lot of maturity and integrity. When in, in just a one-minute clip, I'm going to show it to you, a one-minute clip, she shows how it's possible to go too far. Check out this clip from Joyce Myers, just one minute, on this balancing act that keeps us from foolishness. Faith is something God gives you that you need to use and release in your life. It's a powerful force, but it's not just an automatic. You put your trust in God. You put your faith in Him. I'm glad for what I learned about prosperity, but 
it got out of balance. I'm glad for what I learned about faith, but it got out of balance. And so every time somebody had a problem in their life, it was because they didn't have enough faith. If you got sick, you didn't have enough faith. If your child died, you didn't have enough faith. Well, that's not right. You can't. There's nowhere in the Bible where we're promised that we'll never have any trouble. I don't care how much faith you've got, you're not going to avoid ever having trouble in your life. Jesus said, in the world, there will be tribulation. Cheer up, I have overcome the world. Yeah, 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 that's worthy to, to commend a person who honestly says, you know what, I went too far. I went to that excess that some of you are talking about. Where, where I, I, was, I was believing faith in faith and not faith in God that's rooted in his word. Good for her. A commender, woman of integrity, maturity, to admit I was off. Way over on one extreme. I wonder if there are any men and women in here who've got enough maturity and integrity to admit perhaps you're way over on the opposite extreme. There's no faith. You're not living by faith. Would you have enough integrity to admit to God today, God, I, I'm, I'm far from where I need to be when it comes to living by faith. So I want to offer you three responses and I'm done. Response number one, you can pray. This is a week dedicated to prayer. You can pray and ask God to help you with your unbelief. Mark chapter 9 is what a dad did. His son, demon possessed, took his son to the disciples of Jesus. They couldn't do anything about it when Jesus shows up. The father says to Jesus, Jesus, if you can do anything, would you help my son? In Mark chapter 9, 23 and 24, Jesus says, what do you mean if I can? He says, the question is not if I can. The question is, do you believe? Listen to this honest father. Verse 24, Mark chapter 9, he says, Lord, I believe. Would you please help my unbelief? And that might be you today. It might be you today that that's your best response, that you need to pray, God, will you help me with my unbelief? I have believed you for salvation. I trust that you have saved me from the penalty of my sins because I know I can never do that for myself. But when it comes to living by faith, I am not there, God. Would you please help me with my unbelief? That's, that's one response. The second response is maybe you need to pray, Lord, Lord, would you please show me how to increase my faith? And if you're going to do that, I've already given you the answer. You're going to increase it because you saturate yourself in the word of God that will facilitate the growth of your faith and ferret out foolishness. It will show you that God's power has not changed. And when you read story after story after story and you hear testimony after testimony after testimony of God's incredible supernatural power, it then encourages you, I can do this. I can believe God too. So maybe your prayer today is, Lord, would you please help me with increasing my faith? Here's a third response. Lord, would you please help me to activate the faith that you've given me? Because remember, faith has an active component to it. It's always, it's always focused on something in response to faith. Because the mother believed that Jesus could, she took her daughter to Jesus. She acted as a response to her faith in God. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, I just want to give you an opportunity to respond.
Maybe, maybe you'll find your response. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 2. Very convicting verse as we begin to pray. Very convicting verse. Listen to this. But the word which they heard did not profit them. Not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, how do you want to respond to God right now? I want to give you a moment right now that you would silently talk to God. As our musicians play softly, that you would silently talk to God. And you would just simply say to God whatever you need to. He's listening to you right now. There's not a word of condemnation here. There's a word of encouragement. God loves you so much. He doesn't want you to miss out on seeing his incredible power on display in your life. And if you're here and you have yet to believe on Jesus for salvation, remember there's only one God and it is only by faith that we are saved. Your prayer can simply be today, God, I choose to believe in what you have said about Jesus, that he is the only way to be saved. Father, thank you that you love us. As children of God, we are beloved. If, if, if we had been the only person on this earth, you would have still sent Jesus to do all that he did for just one person. God, I confess with many here today that I've missed out the days past. I've missed opportunities to believe you, to live by faith. I put my trust in myself. I put my trust in some other human being. And as your word declares, the arm of flesh will always fail us. Would you forgive us, God? Would you forgive us 